In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's be seated. Well, from the birth of Jesus to the 30-year-old man Jesus, we do not know much at all. Today's gospel gives us the only glimpse of Jesus in between. While the entire, the entire Bible points to Jesus Christ, the only time we hear about him growing up is when he was 12 years old. Therefore, it is very important that we actually pay attention, close attention, to what St. Luke is telling us today. This is the eyewitness account. Day one. Joseph and Mary were up at sunrise. They had clearly remembered the past seven days of the Passover feast. There were prayer services at the crowded temple, the last day of Passover. Everyone had eaten a bitter meal. Everyone had seen their fair share of slaughtered lambs. And the bread that they had eaten the past seven days was tough and leathery. But they also had been able to reunite with old friends and family. But today, on day one, the holiday was over. Time to go home. The last week had been very tiresome, but they were ready to get back to normal after the holidays. And a week of walking was now ahead. Time to gather with everyone else from their same town and some others from some other towns along the way. Safety in numbers. Time to start walking. A full day and about 10 or 20 miles later, Joseph and Mary, they start running through this massive travel group. Their feet are already sore. Their stomachs are already burning. And now their hearts are sinking into their stomachs. Panic. On a worn, dusty trail in the middle of nowhere. Where's our child? Come on, Joseph and Mary. What the heck is the matter with you? Who loses their own child? But as a parent, you know the feeling when you've misplaced your child in a crowd for just five seconds. Your heart sinks. You can't trust the crowd. This, though, is a little different. You remember when neighborhoods, they used to be a tight-knit group? Kids could go out and play for hours as long as they were back by dinner. And your neighbors and the other people on your block, the other people in town, everyone looked out for each other's kids. Day two. Joseph and Mary had already talked to all their neighbors. Their feet were sore, their stomachs still burning, and their minds racing. What could have happened? They raced back to Jerusalem on day two, another day's journey, another 10 to 20 miles. Day three. It's now been two days since the end of the holidays. They go back into the city of Jerusalem, and the city is much emptier now. 
everyone is back to their routines. But here's Joseph and Mary walking and running through the streets on day three, day four, and day five. I'm sure asking everyone that they saw, have you seen my child? It's now been almost a week since the end of the holiday. Where's our son? Joseph and Mary, their feet are now blistered. Pits of despair in their stomachs. Tear ducts that have run dry. It wasn't but a decade ago that King Herod, King Herod ordered the slaughter of every boy up to two years old. Joseph and Mary then go up to the temple. It took them five days to go to God about their despair. Five days of the worst feelings you could imagine. A missing child. They tried to fix their despair on their own. But if they had gone to their pastor first, they would have found their child sitting in Bible study. If they had gone to the temple and prayed and sought out God first, the despair of a missing child would have quickly vanished. The church was their final hope instead of their first try. Then they turn a corner and they see 12-year-old Jesus. The boy is sitting with rabbis and learning. And the boy, he understood. Why was Jesus here? His parents had been so worried. Jesus stayed in the temple. God stayed with his people in the very place that he promised his people could find him. But this God is a boy. That's right. Jesus chose to be a child, like we all have been. Jesus chose to grow, like we did. Jesus chose to learn, like we have. Jesus chose to be like one of us. Jesus was being catechized. Joseph and Mary, looking at Jesus, after five days, surrounded by rabbis. I bet you could hear a pin drop. Now here is where you might expect to see Mary looking like one of those Catholic paintings, hands folded, halo around the head, eyes gazing upward. Oh, my dear boy, Jesus. Not this Mary. Furious and right there in the middle of the temple, she says, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Joseph right there likely had one of those angry fatherly looks on his face. The look that says all on its own, just you wait till we get home. Emotions are running wild. What Mary is doing 
is accusing Jesus of putting God before her. Jesus affirms this accusation. Jesus affirms his obedience. Yes, mother, the first commandment is before and above the fourth commandment. All commandments flow out of the first commandment. Jesus, in his response, affirms the word of God. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus is not being a smart aleck kid here. Jesus must be in his father's house. The love that we owe to our own mothers and fathers cannot compare to the love we owe to God. Imagine the next moment of silence in the middle of the temple at this point. The next verse only says that they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Now, during this moment of silence, what goes through a parent's mind? And what do you do when your boy is there in, in front of all these pastors? Clench your teeth. Zip your mouth shut. Hug your child. Hey, I'm just glad you're okay. Take his hand. Walk out of the temple. Later, however, this forgiveness will end. There'll be a stern talking to. There'll be some finger wagging. There'll be some very serious eye contact. This child must be obedient to you. Joseph and Mary did not understand. They may laugh about it one day, but not today. They had been in distress for five days. And when this distress was over, the very first words out of their mouth were of accusation. Why did you cause us this distress? Today's gospel teaches us a lesson on obedience and vocations. Parents don't always understand their duty. We, we try our best. We know how, how far our best gets us sometimes. Parents are not to cause their children to sin. Parents are not to provoke their children to anger. Parents are to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents don't always know their duty. None of us do a great job at perfectly maintaining our parental responsibility. Well, in the hymnal in front of you, in that pew in front of you, is the small catechism. At home, you probably also have a small catechism. You can Google small catechism and it's free. At the end of it is a very commonly forgotten section. It's called the Table of Duties. You'll find in it nothing but passages on how to be a good parent, how to be a good child, how to be a good husband, and how to be a good wife, how to be a good pastor, how to be a good hearer of your pastor, 
how to be a good worker, how to be a good supervisor, even instruction for widows. It points to this fact. The Bible is the how-to book for your entire life. Life's little handbook. All 66 of them. Joseph and Mary, they're focused on themselves after the week of Passover. They just wanted to get back to normal after the holidays. Thank goodness Passover is over. Thank goodness Christmas is over. So I can get back to normal. My hobbies, my job, my stuff, my TV shows, my games. It is a sin to focus on yourself. There's no simpler way to put it. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods. Not your stuff and not yourself. Because when you do have other gods, you turn away all at once from every commandment. You are disobedient. And you must admit this to God from your very heart. It is the very disobedience, I'm sorry, it is the very obedience of Jesus Christ that forgives our disobedience. The 12-year-old will grow up to die by necessity for the life of the world. The boy will grow up to be man, to be nailed in agony to the cross so that you will never know what eternal agony is. Jesus will go down to hell to proclaim victory over Satan so that you will never, ever know what hell even looks like. The 12-year-old boy, 21 years later, will join his father in heaven to prepare a place for you. And you'll go there. It's promised. Your name is written in the book of life by he who has forgiven you. In our reading, Jesus does no miracle as a 12-year-old. Jesus is not speaking in parables. Jesus is not even preaching a sermon. Jesus is simply obedient. In that temple, that day, with those teachers... He's obedient to the word of God. Jesus is hearing the word. He's growing in the word. Jesus, who wrote the word, and Jesus, who is the word. Jesus, who chose to grow like us, to learn like us, to be a kid like we all were, is showing us how to be obedient like him. The 12-year-old boy, the son of God, is putting our vocations in proper, obedient order. This is the most biblical version of a New Year's resolution that I have seen in a while. Your vocations put in order. Your top priority, your first vocation, is obedience to God. 
You shall have no other gods. You shall fear, love, and trust in God above all things. You shall call upon his name in every trouble. You shall pray, praise, and give thanks. You shall hold his word sacred and gladly hear and learn it by going to church. And if you are in despair, like Joseph and Mary, you go to God first. Your obedience is also to those that God has placed in authority over you. Pastors, whom God has charged with your eternal spiritual care. Your parents, teachers, and your government, whom God has charged with your temporal care. Follow then the order of the table of duties in the, in the small catechism. After your vocation to God is your next vocation, to your spouse, for you are one flesh. Your next vocation is to your family, as a parent to your children. After that is your vocation as a worker. You'll notice, though, that none of these vocations are for serving yourself. Your vocations are one of obedience, selfless service, and love. Serve Christ, serve your spouse, serve your family, and serve your neighbor. Five days of turmoil, five days of distress. Following these five days of Joseph and Mary's turmoil, they had to walk for another week. Jesus went with them. They went home together after the holidays, after all. And the 12-year-old, we're told, grew up in obedience to his parents. He increased in wisdom. He increased in favor with God. And he continues to increase in favor with all of us. And not just during the holidays. Amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please stand for the prayers of the church. Let us then pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus, for the whole church here on earth, and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, your Son diligently heard the word of God and grew in wisdom and stature, submissive to his earthly parents, 